you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And if you've looked at today's title, the Relatability Index, and wondered how that was going to make a difference in your media, not only in your media, but how you show up as a leader, how you build your business and how you get clients, because it all relates, then you do not want to miss one moment of today's episode. I want to welcome Carrie Barrett to the show. She took a debilitating fear of speaking and has built a two-decade Emmy Award-winning career as a television news anchor on NBC, ABC, Fox, and the Weather Channel. She is a preeminent advisor to top Fortune 100 companies in media training and on-camera readiness for a broad spectrum of situations ranging from formal talks, media interviews, to everyday sales pitches over Zoom. She offers a unique perspective of someone who has 25 years experience in front of the camera and Carrie's specialty is teaching people how they can become relatable to their audiences and make that genuine connection. She helps people feel self-confident, sincere, energetic, yet relaxed on the screen. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Carrie, let's let's just dive into it today cuz I I know like when I when we were just talking before the show and you were talking about what the relatability index was, my mind started spinning with all the ways that we could use this. So first of all, just give a brief introduction. What is the relatability index? Absolutely. So this was uh sort of the first iteration of a study that I commissioned about 18 months ago and hope to grow it and expand all the different ways that this relatability index and the different arenas in which it is applicable. But basically, this study looked at first, is relatability important as a characteristic in terms of building your business, building your brand, leadership? And we discovered that, yes, in fact, it was. And then we took a look at what the key characteristics of relatability were, what comprises, what characteristics or traits does somebody regularly demonstrate, whether it's you know overt or sort of covert, if you will, whether it's just sort of the underscore of who they are. And we found that there are six main traits that come together to create an image of somebody being relatable. Now, relatability is important because it gets your audience's attention at the get-go, but it also is what creates buy-in from your audience the further you sort of go down the path with them. And those key six characteristics are likability, honesty, vulnerability, empathy, pleasure, and pain. I love it. I love it. You know what? kind of impressed upon me 
I can remember when I was first an entrepreneur, learning how to sell, learning how to, you know, get clients and customers. And, you know, I'd watch all these teaching from all these different gurus and that. And, you know, they would talk about, you know, this type of manipulation tactic and, you know, how you can, you know, overcome the objections by, you know, uh, manipulating their emotions and all this kind of stuff. And, and my heart's cry was just, I want to serve people and make money while I do it. <laughs> yeah. The other stuff sounds so, gives me the heebie-jeebies. I always, I struggle with that too, because I always felt like it was so manipulative. Like, oh, if they have this objection, they can't afford it. This is how you, this is how you knock that down. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to knock it down if they can't afford it. Like, I don't want anybody going into debt to work exactly. with me. You know? Yeah. Like that doesn't feel right completely of the same mindset that, you know, I did not want people going into debt. I mean, I spent a lot of time in debt. I knew what it felt like. I knew the pressure that happens in a marriage when there's so much debt. And so, yeah. And and finally, one day I just said, forget it. I'm just going to be an entrepreneur the way I want to be an entrepreneur. And if I don't make as much money as other people, Oh, well, at least I can look myself in the mirror every day. So that that decision changed my whole entrepreneurship. And I finally could just be me and, you know, really just create relationships with people. And I found I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that shocking the way that works? So Dan Sterling is watching on LinkedIn Live and he says that resonates also important in speaking to employees. So thank you, Dan. Yeah, I I totally agree with you that this applies to, you know, not only as an entrepreneur, but how you treat your employees as well. Sure. And 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 let's be honest, I think it probably expands to everybody who's sort of in your life, whether it's your family or your friends or your, you know, anybody who, who is in your realm, if you will, that the, uh, I want to say applicability, that's the word, isn't it? Am I pronouncing (laughs) that correctly? (laughs) (laughs) Expands beyond business for sure. We're focusing obviously on business here, but this is really just about being a person who's able to build relationships and communicate effectively with others. At the end of the day, that's what those traits are about. Oh, we are going to take a very quick commercial break. Audience, RTA Publishing has resources that are going to help you take your business to the next level and help you to write books that not only scale your business, but also help you convert readers into clients. So promise you very quick 15 to 20 second commercial break. One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher. Welcome back. Carrie, I am already so much enjoying this conversation and how we can, you know, be authentic and relate to people. So I would love for you to do more of a deep dive into, you know, the relatability index, those six things that you need to, to be 
so that people can relate to you more. Absolutely. So I do a lot of training with my clients that is sort of falls under the category of media training. Touched on it a little bit in the introduction, but I work with a lot of people who are who are using the camera or the lens as their stage for public speaking rather than actually getting up on a stage or on a podium. But I want to be clear to anybody who's listening, even if you're not speaking in front of a camera or you're not courting media opportunities or you're not posting videos on social or doing client calls or whatever, this applies in any sort of communication. It applies when you're on a stage. It applies when you're one-on-one. It applies when you're in a you know a conference room with the rest of your team. So the first trait is likability. And it's really simple. You're relatable when you're likable. Talk a lot about we want people to respect us, not necessarily like us. And absolutely, respect is important. And by likable, I don't necessarily mean that you have dinner in your employee's home every night with their family. That's not what I mean about likable. I just mean that you have to be somebody (laughs) at the end of the day who people don't run in the opposite direction of when they see them. So the question here is, you know, how likable are you in fact? And if you're not sure, have somebody else listen in on talk that you give to your team or during a meeting or have them watch something that you're doing on video or on camera and then ask them whether they feel connected or disconnected to you. And you have to find somebody who's going to be willing to tell you the truth. That's the biggest battle of them there. So don't ask subordinate, if you will, for the answer to that question. Ask somebody who is your peer or who is, you know, above you in terms of the the ladder of your business. The second trait is honesty, which of course, again, seems incredibly basic, but you've heard that saying that a brand isn't what you say it is, but instead it's what the client says it is. You know, if you say it about yourself, it's opinion. If somebody else says it, it's fact. (laughs) Trusted brand, right? that expression before? I know I have. And, <laughs> yeah. If you say it about yourself, it's opinion, but if somebody else says it, well, it's, no, it's just straight out bragging. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that too. Yes. Oh my gosh. So at the end of the day, a brand that is trusted builds that reputation of being honest as a result of doing repeatedly and consistently what they say they're going to do. So following through on not just words, but tasks and and action items and building whatever it is that you say you're going to build, whether it's a culture or a process or a product or whatever it is. It sounds easy and it sounds really basic, but we see, at least I see, a lot of evidence of dishonesty in the world, dishonest yeah. pillars in which businesses are built on. And In fact, well beyond that as well. So think about how honest you really are. And this is not an easy task. You have to go through what you say you're going to do and what you do line by line and make sure that you are, in fact, illustrating that. And if you have fallen short, have you taken an opportunity to address it, explain it, and let your team know how you are going to remediate? The third trait is vulnerability. And we hear that word a lot. We also hear authenticity. It's two of those buzzwords that are sort of thrown around all the time. And again, easier said than done because a lot of us, you know, even if we're not aware of it consciously, we sort of cloak ourselves in this protective armor and we hide behind this pristine or polished image that we work really, really hard to maintain. And 
when I say vulnerability, it doesn't mean that you have to share every single thing that you've yeah. done that has been wrong or bad or a difficult, you know, the, bad, the wrong choice or the wrong decision, right? But that sort of polish and stuff, that age is, is gone. We want storytelling and we want the stories wrapped in emotion and emotion is where that vulnerability is displayed. You know, when I, when I talk about this as it relates to video, I talk about how those sort of like slick commercial videos really professionally done on social media. That's not the stuff that gets the engagement, even for the large brands. Unpolished is sort of where that new polished is. And it just means that we're not hiding behind this veneer. We're perfectly happy to explore emotions and vulnerability in the same way that our audience experiences them as well. So the question here is, what does that vulnerability look like when you are speaking to clients, prospects, an audience live recorded on a stage through the lens? What does it look like? And what can you do Let's say on Monday, today's Black Friday, we'll be back to work on Monday. What can you do on Monday to sort of inject more vulnerability into the way that you influence your market, the way that you influence your customers, the way that you influence your team? Uh, the fourth characteristic of relatability is empathy. And I think probably there's not a single person who's watching or listening to this that is surprised that empathy might show up on something called the relatability index. I was surprised, though, to recognize or learn that all of us have it. Not all of us have it in the same degree, and mm. not all of us show up with it in the same way, but it is actually ingrained in our DNA, right? We all have nurturing tendencies. It's how we managed to evolve as a species from millennia ago to where we are now. If we didn't have empathy or the ability to care, all of our offspring would have passed along the way. So <laughs> that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It is, are we able to use empathy to nurture and influence the people around us? Somewhere I'm going to stop way, you there for yeah. one second, Carrie, because when you said that, all that, that came through, I remember when my first son was born and, you know, my father-in-law is of that, you know, older generation, but it was like having grandkids, that little baby, that little person, you know, especially when he started to hit one and two and he was walking and moving. Yeah. You know, it was like this, all of a sudden, this nurturing side that we had never seen in my, my father-in-law, like came to life. Yeah. And it was so amazing to watch. And, you know, the difference in him personally, when he allowed that nurturing, caring side to come forth it was it was a beautiful thing to see. And I think that, you know, we underrate empathy. We know it's important, but we don't know why it's important in, in our business. And we don't recognize perhaps how important it is in every aspect of our life. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think sometimes when, you know, you were talking about, you know, this polished appearance and, you know, not being vulnerable and stuff like that. but when it comes to, especially, you know, if you're a high level professional, professional consultant, speaker, you have to be that relatability factor is, is crucial in terms of, you know, building your business. And when you can be a bit vulnerable, and again, like you said, like you're not, 
you're not sharing every, you know, horrible personal yeah. thing that you went to because, you know, there is, there's vulnerability and then, you know, there's, there's <laughs> well, yeah. And then that goes into like almost like a victim mentality yeah. and that actually defeats the purpose because now people don't see you as, as a leader, as you know, that, that person to follow, they see you as a victim, mm-hmm. but you know, when you can, one thing I've learned about vulnerability is, you know, we all love the hero's journey. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you can share about those times and share honestly about those times when, you know, things weren't good. Yeah. But then, you know, how how do you overcome it? And, you know, how how can you be victorious in it and use that to encourage others? Now that vulnerability uh, gives others strength. Absolutely. 100%. When I first started my business, I, I, listen, I didn't know anything about business when I first started at all. At <laughs> all. I didn't even know what the word scale meant. That's not a lie. And so I, I didn't share in the very beginning of my entrepreneurial journey how little I knew because I knew that there was a very good chance that that would scare away potential clients when I was looking to get my first few because she might not even be around six months from now or a year from now. Now that I'm three and a half, almost four years into my journey, I'm comfortable sharing that because it's something that maybe not my direct clients can go f- learn from, but my certainly it connects them to me, but other new entrepreneurs who may be struggling with the same things. Now I know that I can share that story and show that I was able to come out on the other side. Yeah. 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 And that... That, that is powerful. And we don't, we don't, as you know, entrepreneurs and professional speakers, coaches, those types of people, we don't realize how, when we can be authentic, when we can be vulnerable, when we can share those stories, the impact. And when you share a story properly, you know, Dan put in his comment, everybody wants to feel understood. Well, you know, that story, that vulnerability actually allows people to feel understood because your story relates to where they're at. Absolutely. And I think too, we have also have this tendency or many of us do that when we, we hear something, we want to like jump in and fix it. And maybe we can, but the really the key thing here is to just sort of like step inside the story and have a look around and stay tapped into what they're feeling because that is the critical step in building the trust and building the influence. It's not actually fixing it. It's understanding it. Couldn't agree with you more. Carrie, I know you have some more elements to share with us. I'm going to let you loose again. All right. So we're down to the last two now. (laughs) Pleasure and pain. And pleasure and pain may not be intuitively part of the relatability index or how it helps us relate to those around us. But hopefully when I explain these two, it will make a little more sense. So pleasure is one of the things that I, I really like because it makes me think of my children. And research actually does show that this is a fairly high character index on the, or character trait rather on the relatability index, but it's really overlooked, especially when we talk about sales and marketing. Those are the two areas in which we do not find that this shows up in the way that it should. And I want you to think when I say it reminds me of my kids, the reason it does is because think about 
when kids meet a new friend for the first time. One of the very first things they do is like, hey, you want to see my new fire truck? Or like, hey, I'm playing in the sandbox. I have this fire truck. You want to play with my dump truck? And we'll play together. One of the first things that they do is they want to share and they share their toys. And when they share their toys, right, they're sharing, in essence, something they're taking pleasure in. We don't do this as adults. Sharing is such a great way to connect and engage, especially if it's a new relationship, but we don't do it as adults and we definitely don't do it in business, not the way that we should. We do it in our personal mm -hmm. lives. You know, I have a new recipe or I, I, I got this great new dress for an event or I just, whatever, I don't redid my bathroom. Come check it out. We do all of that stuff in our personal lives, but we don't do it in business. It gives us an edge if we can. So think about what this would look like in your own business with people that you're trying to sort of influence, you know, how can you share your toys? And when I'm giving a speech, I always say like, that's your homework for the weekend. Go and figure out how you can share your toys without getting arrested. <laughs> and then the last, oh. the last trait here is pain. And this one obviously is the opposite of pleasure. It's why I put the two together and it might not make sense either. We seem to sort of shy away when we are in pain or when things go wrong. And this taps into the empathy trait as well. You know, we've heard a lot and I think we are moving away from this, but that whole idea of never say you're sorry that's something that's been passed around, you know, well beyond the business realm for a long time. Admit that you're wrong. Heck, we see it in politicians all the time. But the research here shows us that people respect when you can acknowledge their pain or even when you can acknowledge your own pain. And when they respect you, you can influence them on a higher level. So, acknowledge what they're going through. You know, I think about this. I was on a flight a couple of weeks ago and the airlines were super delayed. It was weather. It wasn't their fault, but you know, all the things are going wrong. The luggage yeah. lost and the gate agent is like, meh, you know, whatever. And I get it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. She, she or he has, has been there all day. Your problems are like the furthest thing from her mind right now. She just wants to leave or he just want to leave. But if they could just simply acknowledge, like, I know this, this really sucks. I apologize. We're doing everything that we can. Like, how much would that, even if it didn't remove your feelings of irritation, it would dial down the way that you express yeah. them. So think about having a simple, genuine statement of acknowledging pain, which again, sort of dovetails back into that empathy trait and what kind of an effect that can have on the person's experience around you. And then ultimately how that affects the way that you're able to influence them, whether it is post that you're talking to on a, on a show, on a new show, or somebody who may be considering buying your service or your book or your product or simply your, your team, you know, acknowledging the challenges that they're going through as well and the pain that they're dealing with. You know, when you first said pain, all I could think of was like marketing and how, you know, they, they use pain as a way of, well, sometimes manipulation, but sometimes relatability. But then I was surprised by pleasure but when you were talking about your kids, it just reminded me of a couple of stories. Yeah. Uh, back during COVID, my grandson was six months old when COVID hit. And so for, you know, those two years, two, three years, 
he really did not interact with other kids. Yeah. And so when things finally started to open up, and especially here in Canada, it took forever because winter is flu and cold season to begin with. And then, so, you know, we, we got a couple of short months in the summer where you could do some socializing. And then winter, sometimes we were in complete lockdown. Yeah. So we were having a small party at our church for, at our home for some of the church people and, and the family and that. And one family brought their son that was about six months younger. And immediately, like the two of them just kind of latched on to each other. They, they were just so happy and they were playing together and they were sharing. And then we have a beach not far from the house. So the one family went down to the beach and my son had stayed. And so then my grandson realized his other kid was gone. And I mean, he only met the kid a few hours ago and he's like, he couldn't, wasn't talking a lot, but he's like, friend, we're friend. We're oh. my friend. Right. And he didn't know his name, but yeah. And then, and then he was so sad. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. But you know, your friend's gone. Friend gone? Aww. Not seen friend? <laughs> and then I'm like, don't worry. You'll see him tomorrow at church. See at church? Yeah, you'll see him. So he was so happy. And then they saw each other at church. And the first thing they did is give each other a big hug, right? Yeah. And then they're, they're playing with their toys and all this. And <laughs> You know, boys being boys, you know, within a few minutes, they were fighting over the toys. That <laughs> <laughs> goes. It was just like so, so sweet. And I just, I remember just how much like joy yeah. that gave me. Like I just, just watching it. And then uh, this year at our church, we did a VBS and there was two girls. They were around that three, four-ish age. And they were of opposite color to each other. And the first time they saw each other, they stood there, they looked at each yeah. other, and they're like, you're my friend. And they ran up and they wow. hugged each other, right? So every time they come to church, they look for each other. And they're like, where's my friend? Where's my friend? And I won't say their names, right? I want to protect, but they're like, sure. Yeah. Oh, she's over. Okay. I got to go see my friend now. And, you know, they would hug each other and they'd be walking down the church aisle hand in hand together. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, that feels so good. Yeah. They don't have any of that limitation. They don't have any of the head trash. Like, oh, if I call this person my friend or I give them a big hug, maybe they'll reject me. It's just all, it's, they wear it on their sleeve, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, sharing your pleasure, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that. How, how can I share my toys? Yeah. In yeah. a way. And, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about was, um, as an entrepreneur, I think sometimes you have to have hobbies you have to have things now, mind you, my hobby makes me money, but that's okay. That's sort of my side hustle, but yeah. I love to craft. Ooh, I started knitting yeah. at five when my grandmother taught me, you know, I knit, I crochet, I cross stitch over COVID. Well, my husband knows this, so I can say it. I found a new love. Okay. <laughs> it's called the cricket machine. It's oh. spelled C-R-I-C-U-K, but it said cricket. Huh? It's spelled cry cut, but it's called cricket. And, you know, this, this thing, this machine cuts like everything and you can make all these different crafts and, you know, you could do sort of fun things like mugs. Well, you can do stickers. Look at that. I've never well, heard of this actually, So audience, if you're listening, I'm just holding up a sheet of one inch Christmas stickers. 
So what one of the things I did is I liked designing and I was always having designs made for the things I'd pay people design. I can have the vision of it, but I'm not a graphic designer. So when I try, I know what I want, but when I try to get it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't look the way different than in your mind's eye. <laughs> well, anyway, I decided that I would start selling these designs because there's other crafters. And actually, I'll just share a little pleasure I had. Uh, in October, I was actually accepted by Cricut as contributing artist. So now they allow my designs to go into their software for everyone to use. That's so cool. And when people do use them, I make money. So mm. it's like the best of both worlds. So That's very but cool. Yeah. Like, you know, how, how do we share our pleasure? Yeah. We've got about seven minutes left, Carrie. And I just want to shift gears a little bit to make sure that we cover this. Just before we got on, you know, I was asking you if you were an author and you said that you're working on your book. So, yes. you know, let's talk about that because that is definitely a pleasure that I would love for you to share with me today. Um, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, the book stems from a course that I put together about public speaking, media training, effectively leveraging the lens for visibility and communication. And again, it applies to business owners who are looking to create social or have media opportunities to executives who are looking to be able to speak well at events and to their team and remote workforce, et cetera, you know, creating an engaged workforce, et cetera. And so the course is, is like I said, all about how to communicate effectively and lead and create on camera. The book is sort of an outcropping of that for those who prefer to understand those elements through you know, text first before watching and listening. The book is is the is the text version of the course along with the elements of the relatability index, how to show them, how to use them, how to grow them, how to build them, and how to help incorporate them to your team if you have one. And so I would eventually like to turn the book into a into a shortened version, a TEDx talk. Hopefully that's something that will happen in the next year. But the book is of the same title as my course. It's called the VIQ Academy. VIQ stands for Video IQ. And it is in the final phases of the writing portion. So I'm hoping that I will have that out and to the general public sometime in Q2 or Q3 of 2024. Nice. Nice. Definitely can see you getting it done in 2024. Oh, I'm so excited. So you're just in the writing phase. So I'll still ask you the question I ask every author that comes on the show, but obviously you haven't published it yet, but we'll focus on the writing part. So, so far, what has been sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of writing this book? Oh my gosh. Well, I've never written a book before. (laughs) There's a lot to each of those. I have enjoyed it. I have refined. Actually, there's some things that I have discovered as I have written and done some more market research in the course of writing it as well. And in the course of sort of growing and expanding my program and tweaking it that I will incorporate into the video portion as well. So I've learned a lot. That has been one of the good elements. I've learned a lot about how uh, my potential clients 
consume and the ways that they are able to, you know, how they're able to, to practice, especially reading it versus watching it. It's a different sort of consumption. And so sometimes executing on, you know, the, the practice things and the ways that I suggest sort of deploying these new skills are slightly different. That has been very interesting and it will help me grow down the road. The bad, I think, is that I just didn't realize how laborious the whole process would be. I mean, <laughs> I had I, I had the whole course, you know, and the course is it's hefty. It's a, it is a beefy program. It, there's no skimping on any of the content or information that I know and how to practice it. And I transcribed it all as I was, you know, recording it. So I thought it was going to be fairly simple process moving from the transcription to the actual copy that has proven to take quite a bit longer than I anticipated. But like I said, I've learned throughout it. So you know, it's, there's a silver lining there also, <laughs> but man, I'll tell you what, for these folks who have written more than one, two, three, four, five, I had somebody on my show the other day who I think had written nine. <laughs> I don't know how you have time to do anything else. It's impressive. Are you, Oh, suddenly I lost you. I can't hear you. Okay, I got you back. Darn microphone cable. Every, I have to be careful. Every time like I touch it a certain way, it like I'm like loosens. I gotcha. Being vulnerable here, sometimes technology and podcasting is not fun. No, that's true. I've been there too. <laughs> no <laughs> worry. <laughs> I think we've all learned to give one another hopefully a little bit of grace, especially over the course of the last three years. Like if there's one thing we've had to learn, it's to be a little kinder to everybody else and ourselves as well. You know, one thing I was thinking of when you were talking, you know, one of the things I teach on is called the create method. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, how you can create a book that converts reader into clients. And it's based on the word create. So first of all, your book has to create authentic relationship, has to reveal the real problem, not the surface stuff, the real problem, you know, engages the reader, not only engaging writing, but how are you giving your readers opportunities to connect with you outside of the book? Yeah. Right. So these are all the things that we talk about. Answer the questions. Doesn't answer their questions. If it doesn't answer their questions, well, there's no use publishing the thing. Yeah. Targeted to a specific person. Because you talked about a few different groups there. So highly recommend that you focus in. We call it the audience of one. Yeah. To, <laughs> to really make a book effective. The more targeted it is, the better. Now, it doesn't mean it can't relate to many people, but you have to really focus in on that one. And of course, excellently done. And I suspect, you know, from this interview that that would be something that, that you would do. So just some, a few thoughts for you while you are writing your book. Thank we you. are pretty well, well, we are out of time. We're actually a little bit over. Uh, Carrie, I would love to give you an opportunity to share one final thought and then if people have enjoyed today's conversation, how can they connect with you? Oh, I, I appreciate that. One final thought. Well, listen, if you are hiding behind any sort of excuse or armor, and, and most of us are, in fact, sometimes it's so baked in, we don't even realize it. It's time to get intentional about shucking it and living your true self in front of the camera, on the stage, in your business. Uh, and and as scary as that seems, and I, I have 
in my news career, this is like second nature. I mean, it's just part of how you establish a bond with your audience. You share your own personal story. It's how they connect to you. They don't connect to you by you reading the story about the latest drive-by or pothole. They connect by who you are. And so that part was very easy for me. Done it for a long time and I was really good at it. I did not realize how difficult it would be to continue that when I switched into my business because suddenly the stakes changed and and it was me, Carrie, up there rather than Carrie, you know, the news anchor at whatever place I was at the time. And so that was actually quite tricky. And so don't assume that it's easy to do or that you're already doing it. I had to take a good hard look at myself and figure out how to redo it for me when I launched my business. So I guess that's my final thought. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to let people connect with me. If you're interested in what I do or how I do it or how we might be able to work together, one of the easiest places to go is my website. It's my name, carriebarrett.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. All I am Carrie Barrett. So you find me on all the social medias. I post daily with tips on showing up on camera, how to overcome mindset blocks and, you know, some behind the scenes stuff as well. Love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I highly recommend that you go back to episode 436, seven steps to becoming a premium brand with Drake Nightenhelser. And so if you are on YouTube, there will be a thumbnail here somewhere. And, you know, one of these days, my daughter helps me out with the podcast. I'll actually ask her where she puts the thumbnail because I never (laughs) know where it's going to go. But it's on the screen here somewhere. And if you are listening on your podcast app, this is episode 457. So you're going to want to scan back about 20 episodes I promise you it will help to continue from today's conversation with Carrie. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. Audience, you know how much I love you. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The Extraordinary Word Ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.